Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 26th episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. Happy Friday. I know I'm excited for the weekend. I hope you guys all are too, which is very nice weather out here in Los Angeles. I don't know about back in New York, but it is here. But before we can get to the weekend, we have another really, really special guest that I'm going to be talking to today. And this is somebody whose company I've really been a fan of for a long time, just as a general sports fan and somebody who's interested in the business behind sports. So to not delay us any further, on today's episode, I have the immense pleasure to welcome Adam White, CEO of Front Office Sports. Front Office Sports is a multi-platform media brand covering the influence of sports on business and culture. Recognized as one of Fast Company's most innovative companies in 2021, Front Office Sports was also named to Adweek's hottest in sports in 2022 and listed on Inc. 5000 in 2023, which recognizes the fastest growing private companies in America. Adam founded Front Office Sports in 2014 and is a graduate of the University of Miami, where he studied education and sports administration. Really can't wait to get Adam on the call to hear all about the founding of Front Office Sports, how he's built it into really an industry leader, and also about his personal and professional journey. So let's get him on the call. Hey, Adam. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Eric. I'm excited to, excited to chat. Yeah, I've, I've really been excited for this one. I've been a fan of Front Office Sports and what you guys have built. So really excited to hear all about kind of your journey and how front office sports has grown. So I want to come go back to the beginning um, and when you first started front office sports in 2014, what gap in the sports media market were you trying to capitalize on at that time? Yeah, I mean, at that time, I think it was funny because the business has changed so drastically in the past 10 years now, which is about as long as we've been doing it. Uh, but at that time, it was really, like I said, like there was never a place where people were really talking to or showcasing the people who worked behind the scenes in sports, right? Everyone knows the the athletes, the LeBron, the Giannis's, the Steph's, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, but they never knew the people behind the scenes. And that's what it was really focused is how do we tell the story about the people behind the scenes? And then from there, being able to to kind of just use that audience and, and that grouping of people that I was able to meet and, and turn that into relationships that we could build a business out of. But, you know, overall, I think that's been, uh, that's been the focus, you know, for the first year or so of the business. And, and, and now it's, it's, you know, we're a true enterprise publisher. We're trying to compete with the biggest media companies in the world. And, you know, in some ways winning in some ways not, but like the, we're a news organization, true multi-platform publisher or publishing across all platforms all day long. And uh, it's been, it's been really good. So, yeah. And in a recent interview, one of the things that I found really interesting from what you said was front office sports wouldn't have become what it has become if we had gotten money day one. And so I want to ask why you think that's true and what that kind of says about the power of bootstrapping a company at the beginning. I think at the time we didn't know what we wanted to be, right? And I, I, I think we didn't, uh, I think we didn't have the the clear example or a clear POV of of what this business could be, right? And I even think it, it, it's changed so drastically, even up to the point of where I think now more than ever we have the clearest vision of what this can be, and the clearest opportunity, and the clearest understanding of all of the things that we're working on and what we can and can't do. So, um, you know, overall. I think we're at a place now where I feel the best about vision and everything like that. But at the beginning, 
you know, if we would have had the money and done what we did at the beginning, I don't think we would be here now because we wouldn't have had the learning experiences. I spent the first year, four years of the business, basically doing something exactly like this, interviewing people who worked in sports. And so I was able to ask them along the way, like, what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? What are you interested in? What are you not interested in? This, that, and the other. And, you know, because of that, I was able to almost essentially build the entire thesis for the business as we were kind of building it and having an understanding of knowing like, oh, these are the things that people want. This is what we will be able to monetize. This is what we're able to do. And, um, you know, that was really the foundation for the business, right? Like we raised some money and I knew that if we launched Rising 25, which at the time was our, uh, was our, um, awards like our big award thing if we launched that we would be able to make money anheuser-busch is the presenting partner we did all this stuff like it was really exciting and so again all of these various elements that we were able to kind of lean into and figure out that if we would have had money right away we probably would have tried a bunch of stuff and it would have never worked whereas like we didn't have money and we were able to try a bunch of stuff with zero pressure figure out what worked and then once we did have money double down on that and so uh yeah it was it was it was good and you know underrated but overall feel good about it so you said that obviously the company has changed it's grown a lot in the last nine years yeah what would you say was kind of the pivotal point when it went from kind of that bootstrapping idea to now we're competing with the biggest enterprise companies in the world what was what was kind of that that turning point yeah, I mean, I think I think there's multiple turning points, to be honest with you. I mean, every every year is a little bit different, right? We get a little bit more uh, poignant in, on, on what our mission, our vision, our goals are. We get focused on those types of things. Like the way I think about the business and the way I look at the business, it's really all about those, those elements uh, and being able to execute those things. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. I really like what we've been able to to do and i think there's been multiple pivotal moments as i mentioned previously when i think about the beginning the the pivotal moment was you know us signing that deal with anheuser-busch like at the time as we signed that deal like that was a pivotal deal for us getting the investment and then you know we just signed this year a, a big deal with chevy which was pivotal for us getting another investment and like we just getting these things in motion um and there's like stories that we broke so we broke big stories we became more recognized we became more authoritative like we have people going on news shows they have people talking about us all over the place where celebrities are picking us up we broke stories and, and news on this si sports illustrated saga today and you know everyone from jamel hill to ian rapaport to all these people are tweeting about us posting about us like all these things and it's like holy shit you know um so you know it's it's like there's there's moments in every year where it's like just another opportunity and another thing that just ratchets it up another level and if you're not having that i feel like you're probably not going to have the success that you're looking for and luckily for us we continue to have those moments and uh it's positive across the board so you mentioned that one of the biggest turning points was kind of these partnerships that you were able to cultivate with these these corporations, I think a lot of founders go through this about who to partner with, how to scale. How did you identify what specific companies would be good to partner with? Uh, you know, I think we got lucky in a lot of ways. Um, I think overall it was, you know, you have to find the right fit and you have to find the right 
approach to the the market luckily our first investor i met on twitter of all places and you know we took a, a chance on each other and it's worked out and i've had luckily in the great great investors and and mentors and things like that and so you just got to find the right partners and, and and sometimes you have to be with okay okay with outgrowing partners i think that's the other thing too and and that's advertising partners that's investors right like it's going to happen that's employees right like luckily russ and myself have been at this 10 years and we've built a really strong brand and business and him and i are you know, have been an unlocked step in the business, but eventually, like, I'm not saying we outgrow each other, but like, there's just things like you, and there's a lot of people who can go in a lot of things where you'll go zero to one. There's not a lot of things where you'll be able to go, um, you know, one to two, like, you know, in terms of just like people, right? Like there's a lot of people who are great at going to zero to one, but those people aren't going to be the people who get you from one to two. And you're constantly in the startup in a transition of that, right? Of like, like hiring people who can help you get from zero to one and then transitioning those people out for people who can help you get from one to two and then transitioning those people out, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, it's, it's an ever evolving process, especially with a business like ours and media. I mean, holy shit, like it's, it's all over the place, but yeah, man, I am, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's, it's pretty wild. So you and Russell have been co-founders for the last 10 years. Obviously a lot of things changed during that period, but from your perspective, what skills do you think you guys have that complement each other best? I mean, what are you strongest at? What do you think he's strongest at? And how do you think that kind of, how does that work together for you guys? For Russ and me and Russ and I, excuse me, it's really been a, a good relationship because one, you know, we've been doing this for so long. We're not, and even then I always joke with him, like, we're not like friends, even though we're like, we're friends, right? But we're not like best friends. Like we're not texting 24 seven. We're talking about work. We're doing all the things that we need to. And then, you know, we've had really good kind of complimentary features. He's much more reserved and kind of is like has some more risk aversion, is good on the finance side and all of those things where I'm much more of like, go, go, go. We'll, we can figure it out. Uh, and the business wouldn't be here without him, right? I think that's the one thing of, of if starting any business, you have to make sure you have a great co-founder. It's very hard to found a business by yourself. You have to have those people in your corner. I think having co-founder or co-founders is great. And yeah, overall, I think that's how I think about it. But uh, we've been able to be really complimentary and he's much more analytical. I was always content and he was always finance and things like that. And so, you know, we've been able to, to navigate the the business over the course of the past few years in a way that's really meaningful. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, I think overall, we've been able to really complement each other to this point and now are growing into other roles as we bring on other people uh, to help us with things like finance and things like sales and all those other th different areas. So tell me a little bit about where your passion for sports came from. Was it growing up? How did that kind of start for you? When I went to college, I was, you know, not forced to a major, right? I didn't have a parent who was a uh, entrepreneur per se, or a banker, or someone who was a doctor or a lawyer, right? Like I didn't have people who parents were like that. My mom was in HR, my dad was doing sales. And so, you know, I was never really like, I just kind of like was, oh, sports is fun. Oh, this program has a sports administration working in sports. That sounds cool. Let me do that. And that's how it all started. And, and you know, I've always loved sports. I, I love sports to this day and differently than I probably did as a kid. But, you know, I think now business in a lot of ways is my sport, right? I don't play uh, organized sports. I'm not someone who's able to go out and, 
you know, do the things that I used to from a baseball standpoint, because you just, I'm, I'm running a business now. And so my business and business is the new sport. And I think that's, what's a, a nice transition and you're able to take advantage of it. So you mentioned how business is kind of your new sport. I, being at USC for the last couple of years, especially after NIL was legalized at a place like this, I saw firsthand how many athletes had to start thinking about the financial side of sports. And so how do you how do you want front office sports to kind of contribute to that ecosystem of financial education for athletes and sports fans? I mean, I think our whole philosophy and thesis is the fact that the modern what we like to call sports consumer cares more about what happens off the field than they do on the field right like what lebron is doing off the field now today is just as interesting as what lebron is doing on the field uh, of uh, or court or whatever it may be right so i think that's the whole thesis for us is like wait a second like yes the business of sports has kind of been an undercovered thing but biggest story today sports illustrated and media and layoffs the biggest story yesterday world cup where is it going to be dallas right like all of these stories are business stories in some way and every sports story has a money angle attached to it and so because of that um, you know, you're in a space where it's like, okay, if you can have that, you can be in a, a, in a place where it's really interesting and a, a consumer appeal that is much larger than a B2B type trade publication. Yeah, that makes total sense. And you mentioned just the recent news from today with Sports Illustrated. Kind of would just love to get your thoughts about what do you think the kind of implications about that move are, you know, how that affects the sports industry, sports media in general. Yeah, I mean, I just think, I, I don't know if it affects it in general per se. I think, quite frankly, it's just a, it was a brand that unfortunately got mismanaged and tied up in, in, in an area where it's kind of in a difficult position now. But I still think overall we're in a place where it, it could potentially be salvaged. I think it's just, you know, you ESPNs and all of the digital publishers and a lot of publications and media companies. Uh, it's just in a transition period and you have to manage through that transition period. And unfortunately, I think SI didn't, didn't manage through the transition period well enough and didn't say, Hey, we're going to make our magazine monthly. We're going to really keep it super premium. You know, they were doing it weekly, but Hey, let's make it monthly. Let's really shift a lot of resources to digital. Let's continue to lean in heavily on high impact storytelling and all of the brand and the franchises that we've built and the audiences that we've built. And they, you know, just have tried to stuff a bunch of programmatic ads on the website and just juice the brand for all that it was worth. And, you know, it's just a shell of itself. And I think like, that's the whole thing is like brands really matter. And I, I think people like, you know, you see it and you, 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 it, it, it's unfortunate, but it's really something that you have to, that you have to take seriously from a media company standpoint. Like the brand is what people interact with. The brand is what people see and feel and touch. And overall, I think it's like, it's something that, you know, for the most part, you, you, you can't, you can't take too, uh, too, too unseriously. And you, I think you've seen as they've taken the, the brand of SI was always journalism, great imagery, premium stuff, and they made it not that. And as soon as they made it not that, then it was be, you know, it wasn't anything that that was uh, uh, honestly salvageable in a lot of ways. So I think it will be, 
We'll see. It's it's just tough now. You're talking about laying off their entire t- roster. Who would want to work for that brand now? Like you just have to build back so much. Uh, I don't know. It's really crazy. Yeah, obviously, management of any company is crucial to the success of the company. So, if you think about your time as CEO, what would be one strategic mistake that you've made, and how did you overcome and learn from it? Oh, yeah, the biggest one is in 2021, I believe, 2022, we thought we were going to do sports newsletter network and we were going to launch a bunch of different sports newsletters. We were going to have like a sports betting one, an NBA one, a general sports one, horrible idea, not something we should have ever done. Like it was just really, really bad and, you know, wasted a ton of money, but like we learned a lot and we knew that like, Hey, look at that point. It was like, let's just focus on the business of sports. The business of sports is front office sports. Why try to run a bunch of different accounts? Why try to do all these things? Like, and to be honest with you, we wasted an entire year and I was really frustrated about that and I didn't love it. Um, but it, you know, we, we learned a lot and, you know, I think for us, it's like, we should just continue to find ways to execute deeper in the business of sports versus trying to do things adjacent to the business of sports. Because at this point, like the business of sports is interesting. There's so much stuff going on, right? Like, so we didn't actually have to do the things that we wanted to do to try and drive scale. When we said, look, like, what if we just focused on the core brand and drove scale there? So yeah, it was, it was good. I think that's such a relatable point for a lot of founders. Once you have a little bit of growth and you try to branch off to all these different avenues, but should probably be sticking to kind of what's working at the moment. So from a pure management style, how do you think you've grown as a leader uh, over your time as CEO? Uh, I think overall, I mean, you have to get to the point where you you have to understand that you're now every time you add a different level of management you have to manage differently right like when it was just me and other people you have to manage differently and then all of a sudden you're managing director level people then you're managing vp level people now we're managing now i'm managing senior level people and so you know across the board i think it's i think it's i think it's pretty meaningful that you have to be able to transition your leadership style we use this thing that uh, called culture index now that has helped a lot and teaches you about what people need what makes them tick how you can uh, approach them right like our head of people like she is very much so we'll do everything we'll run through a wall we'll do everything you need but she needs to have and, and feel like you care about her outside of work and so once I found out about that, I was like, oh, you know, this is great. So I will, I've done a much better job of asking her how she's doing, what's going on. And I think it's really helped our relationship a lot. So, I mean, look, you're never going to be perfect and you can only do as much as possible. But, you know, for me, it's always about how do I make sure my team knows that I'm always going to be there for them? How do I make sure that, that my team knows that they're safe in their jobs in the sense that like, we're not worried about layoffs there, you know, they're in a good place. Like we're, we're, we're confident about what we're doing, all of those different elements. And overall, I think those are the areas where um, you, you can, can kind of control all of those things and then being able to manage through some of like the stormy seas and, 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 um, and being able to take advantage of the opportunities when there's lots of momentum. You know, I was always a, uh, sure we, we hit our goals, but like, or we hit this, like, this is awesome. Like, but I didn't spend a lot of time celebrating it because it's like, no, this is like, 
this is what we should be doing. Like this is the bare expectation, but you realize that a lot of people need more than that. And you need to speak to them and you need to give them reassurance and you need to tell them, Hey, good job, this, that, and the other. Uh, because quite frankly, like people operate differently. And so that's one of the things that I've learned too, is that my standard for expectation, yes, should be our, our, our standard, but it's also along the way people want to be, praised and people want to be told hey like good job even though that job is doing the day-to-day stuff so just finding things like that and again no one's ever perfect and you're always going to continue to learn but yeah i think that's probably that's probably it for me yeah that makes total sense and given that this is a podcast geared towards college students i would love to hear about some career advice that you would have for people that are graduating college right now they may not have a set path yet. What will be some kind of general career advice that you could give them? I mean, I never had a set path, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. I mean, the, for the first, I always tell people, people always knew me as front office sports, but for the first year out of college, I was working as a as a, as a waiter. I was doing bar backing. I was running, or I was a, a TA at the university, and I was driving a, a 300 or a $500 truck with no AC that I had to roll the window down to open the door. Right. And so I think it's just like you are what you make of yourself. And even, you know, like you can you can do like don't be afraid to do the things that, you know, will pay the bills in the short term. So you can do the things that will pay the bills in the long term. Right. And that's what I was doing. Like I was working like 20 hour days, maybe more. Uh, I would go home. I would work on the I would go to sleep. I would work on the website at like from like four in the morning till eight. I would go to work. I would work on the website there. I would go to, to the, the the restaurant, work at night, serving tables. Like it, it's just if you want it, you got to go get it, and that's and that's what we did. So, I think that's great and really helpful advice. So, I want to end with one last question. Given this is front office sports, what were some of your favorite sports business stories from twenty twenty three, and why? Hmm. A lot of them. I think the sports as an asset class in terms of like private equity coming into sports is a really good thing in a lot of ways, professionalizing a lot of the industry in in positive ways. So I think that's that's good. Uh, women's sports, the rise of women's sports, really interesting. Uh, internationalization of sports, I think, is another big topic. All of the media stuff with what's going on with ESPN and Netflix and Amazon and like just the amount of attention and heat and desire around sports is really meaningful. And so I think like those are the things that uh, that uh, I think are the most exciting things and are really going to be the ones that are the, you know, the big exciting ones for 24 too. Well, Adam, I really just want to thank you again for taking the time. I know people that are fans of front office sports, but just college students in general will, will definitely find this episode to be super helpful. So really thank you for your time a lot. Yeah, of course, man. I'm glad we could, uh, glad we could do it. And thanks for the uh, flexibility. I appreciate it. And looking forward to continuing to stay in touch. Of course. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. This was honestly an episode that I was really, really excited for. As I said at the beginning, Front Office Sports has been a, a publication, a brand that I've really, really enjoyed. I think they give such a like unique perspective outside of like just on the field sports. And to Adam's point, really talking about what's going on off the field, which has become more and more interesting over time. So just a couple of takeaways, I think. One of them, you know, 
Front Office Sports has grown into a really huge brand. Adam has a really huge role, but he started out of college not really knowing what he wanted to do. He just had a drive and a passion and knew he was going to make something of this brand that he created. And I think that's so telling for college students that maybe aren't exactly sure about what they want to do yet. I fall into that same boat about really just trusting your gut, following your passion, and things usually work out. And finally, I really love to hear you know, how some of his favorite sports business stories were about the growth of women's sports. I think that's been such a fascinating area of growth. There's been an area of sports that we were wanting to have grown for a long time, and now it's really, really exploded in just the last couple of years. And then his mention of how private equity has really come into the sports landscape. I think it's brought a lot of people in finance circles and circles maybe outside of sports really into the business of sports. So I think sports fandom and sports viewership is just continuing to grow. And I think front office sports is, has a huge part in doing that. So that's it for today's episode. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. But until then, have a good weekend and so long.